Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. I couldn't help but think in Luke chapter 8, where it says that Jesus healed many women. It says about Mary Magdalene that he cast out seven demons from her. And no wonder, no wonder she dedicated her life to live for Jesus Christ because he totally changed her. She came just as she was and he cleansed her. You might not have had seven demons cast out of you, but you were still in the same condition as Mary Magdalene before the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you come just as you are, he'll not leave you there, but he'll change you forever. My Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for your power to be able to cleanse men of sin. I thank you for your love. that you loved us enough not to leave us the way that we were, but that you sent your son to die in my place. I can never repay you. You've washed me. You've cleansed me. I'm one of yours. And though you know me, you still love me. God, you are amazing. I feel so inadequate to be able to preach the glorious truths of your word. I can't do them justice. I can't unpack the glories of the gospel to these, your people. But Lord, you've called me to do so. And I'm asking for your help. And God, I pray 
I pray that if there's one here this morning, there's one watching on the internet that does not know you, that they would get to experience the life-changing power of the gospel. To have their sins forgiven. To have a relationship with you. We ask you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd ask that you remain standing for the reading of God's word. In Galatians chapter 6. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. The Bible says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calleth you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, and that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men... I should not be the servant of Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. This morning, I want to preach to you on this text, but I want to challenge you, don't undo grace. That's the title of this message, Don't Undo Grace. Too many times, us as believers, we, we, even though we're saved, we still undo grace in our own lives. And if we're not careful, we'll allow grace to be undone in the life of our church if the gospel is not pure. You know, you look at our world, you look at our current political climate, and, you know, over these past 12 years, We've heard about former and current presidents trying to undo what has previously been done. And one of the aspects of undoing what was done in the past is trying to erase the very legacy of the previous administration, whoever that may be. And though in some instances this can be harmful and even detrimental to our, our country, What's even more detrimental is when grace is undone. And that's what we find in this portion of Scripture. You say, well, how does somebody undo grace? See, we undo grace anytime we add anything to the gospel. That's how we undo grace. If we add something to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're undoing his grace. 
I don't know about you, but the reason that I'm standing here today is because of the grace of God. I have no other merit than, and no other reason to be standing here except for God's grace. See, and when we undo grace, it makes the gospel ineffective. It makes the gospel ineffective for the unsaved, and it makes the gospel ineffective for the saved. See, because for the unsaved, if we add to the gospel and that undoes grace, then there's no saving power. For the saved, if we undo God, uh, the gospel and we, we undo the gospel, uh, by, uh, undo grace by, uh, uh, by, by, uh, not, uh, by adding to the gospel, what we're doing is we're trying to continue to live our life as pleasing to God to earn his favor and not to live out the grace of God. We're trying to earn his favor, and so therefore what happens is we don't share the gospel of grace because we already received the gospel of grace, but now we've got to work to perform to earn God's favor, and that's not the way, the sal- that's not the way salvation in the Christian life is to work. Just like I was saved by grace, uh, th- through grace and, and by faith, I am the same way I'm sanctified. I'm not sanctified by trying to earn God's favor. I am sanctified through faith that I'm trusting that God is doing a work in me. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. He which began a good work in you. Who began it? Who began it? Who began it? He began it. He began it. I didn't begin it. He began it. He which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he began my salvation, but he's going to perform my sanctification. And see, when we as believers, we try and earn favor with God, we're not really too happy about the gospel. We're not too excited about it because we're not living in grace. We're undoing grace. Oh, it's not that we shouldn't try and live holy, for we should. It's not that we shouldn't try and do the right thing, for we should. I'm not talking about this licentious type of grace that just go and live any way that you want. No, Paul talks to us about that. But what I'm saying is that in your own life, if you and I, if we are not careful, just like Paul here is talking to these Galatians, he's saying, you're undoing grace. We as believers, we too can undo grace in our own life by trying to earn God's favor. That's what's so amazing about the gospel. Because there's nothing that I can do to get God to love me anymore. He knows me. He knows me. And in spite of me, he still loves me. See, that's how we undo grace. We undo grace, and then it makes the gospel ineffective. See, to make the gospel ineffective, friends, is not detrimental. It's not detrimental to make the gospel ineffective, it's deadly. And this is what I want you to remember. You see it on the screen. Adding to the gospel is to subtract grace. See, the gospel is not just for the saved, uh, for the unsaved. The gospel is also for the saved. We've heard this said time and time again. We ought to be preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. Friends, don't ever get over your salvation. Don't ever take for granted what Christ did on the cross 
for you and for me. How he hung there and he was forsaken by the Father so that we didn't have to be. He didn't just take on our sins, he became sin for us. All the ugliness that you see in the world, all the deviance, all the things that would turn your stomach and make your eyes turn away because you don't want to look at something so horrible, so wretched, that's what Christ became for us. And adding to the gospel is to subtract grace. There are a couple truths in this portion of scripture that I want you to see. How can you keep from adding to the gospel in your own life? Not only we as a church, we need to make sure that we're not adding to the gospel, but also in your own life. You might want to write this down. To keep from subtracting grace from your life or adding to the gospel, however you want to state it, you are to keep in mind who called you into the gospel. You are to keep in mind who called you into the gospel. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. The Bible says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that calleth you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I marvel. Let me ask you a question. What is the gospel? We hear all this time about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Hear all these ministries about the gospel this and the gospel that and for the gospel. And that term gets thrown all over the place. But what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of salvation that Jesus Christ came from the Father to live a sinless life, die on the cross, to pay for our sins, and to rise again three days later according to the scripture. That is the gospel in a nutshell. You can take a look at verse 4 of our text and we can see it here. Paul expands the gospel in this book of Galatians, but in verse 4, he encapsulates it. It says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil war world according to the will of God and our Father. That's the gospel encapsulated. Now, Paul expands on that. You can see it in Romans. You can see it in Ephesians. But, it, but that's the gospel encapsulated. And Jesus did all of this for us. Why? because we couldn't save ourselves. We needed to be rescued from ourselves. Listen, the worst thing that God can do to a man is give him over to himself because that man will end up in hell. We can't rescue ourselves. He rescued for us. And Paul, he, he, he rescued us from ourselves. And Paul states in verse 6 that he was amazed. He was absolutely amazed that the Galatians had so quickly moved away from this grace that Christ had given them. Christ had, had, had taken them from their lifestyle, and now he had removed them from that lifestyle and put them in a new way of living. And there had been great fruit in South Galatia there. Despite the strong opposition that they faced, God had blessed Paul. People wanted to Christ. Churches were planted. Miracles were displayed. Now, after Paul had left, very shortly, this new startup church and new believers 
were now being infiltrated by false teachers who were teaching them another gospel. Matter of fact, some believe that over in Acts chapter 14, if you take a quick look there, we can see this. Acts chapter 14, these false teachers that came in, take a look. Um, Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. This is when Paul was stoned. And there came hither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium. This is when he was stoned at Lystra, okay? Who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. And some believe that those same people that stoned Paul there were the same ones that came to the church of Galatia to be able to disrupt this church. And now these false teachers had infiltrated the church. You know, it's good for us as fellow Christians to be able to note how fragile new believers are and how susceptible they can be to the work of Satan. See, there's great delight in the world of darkness where disruption, where disruption can take place in the work of God. Do you know what Satan wants to do here? Do you know what he wants to do? He wants to take and he wants to shake this church. He wants to disrupt the church. Now, I want you to understand something here. We'll get into this in just a moment. Those who Satan would send in here, you say, Pastor, would Satan really send people in here to disrupt the church? Yes. You know what? They're going to look like us. They're not going to come in with a big placard and say, I'm a false teacher. They're not going to come in and say, hey, by the way, I don't believe that Jesus is the only son of God. He might be one of many. They're not going to come in that way. They're going to look like us. As a matter of fact, they're even going to sound like us. You say, you really believe that? Yeah. Because if Satan can disrupt the church, then he makes the church ineffective in spreading the true gospel. See, it's good for us to remember whenever there's a moving of God's spirit and the advancement of his kingdom, Satan's going to be at work. You know what he's going to do? He's going to be casting doubts. He's going to be sowing discord. He's going to be bringing disruption. And we as a church do a great service to Christ and the kingdom of God when we lead men and women to profess faith in Christ, but then leave them open to false teaching because we're not discipling them. And Paul goes back to the foundation here of who called them into the grace of Christ. Who was it? Christ is the one who called them. It wasn't Paul who called them into the grace of Christ. Paul was used maybe to be the servant of God, just like I'm being used this morning to be the servant of God, to proclaim the work of God. But guess what? I'm not doing the work in your hearts today. It's not my words that are doing anything, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that God is using to draw you unto himself. See, the Galatians... He says, I, I, I marvel. You're so soon removed. You know what? They were, they were on the verge of deserting Christ. We're not just talking about one or two. We're talking about these churches here. He's addressing churches. They were, they were getting ready to move away from Christ. They were, they were getting ready to undo grace. 
The Bible says in our text, take a look if you will, I marvel that you are so soon removed. It means, that word removed means to bring to another place. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. I want to show you the literal, the literal way that this would be uh, translated here. Take it Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. So it means to bring to another place. What's the Bible say there? By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had a testimony that he pleased God. If you know the story about Enoch in the Old Testament, he was a man that walked with God. And, it, and God, Enoch never died. One day, Enoch was walking with God, and God said, Enoch, you know, I really want you to be with me. Now, I don't know if he actually said that, but just give me a little bit of dramatic license. I really want you to be with me. And so Enoch was walking on some desert, and then I can almost see uh, Mr. Enoch. He just started climbing up higher and higher and higher, and he went into the presence of the Lord. Now, again, that's not in the English text, but if you study the Hebrew, you'll be able to dig that out. What did he do? He went from one place to another. He was removed from the earth to heaven. And that's what Paul is saying about these, these Christians here, that they were getting ready to go from Christ. They had been established in Christ, and now they were moving from Christ. They were on their way to another gospel. These new Christians, they hadn't fully deserted Christ, but they were in the process of leaving. Let me ask you, 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 you may not have deserted Christ, but where's your heart with Christ today? Have your affections for Christ moved away? Are you not as drawn to the things of God as you used to be? Oh, I'm not talking about deserting the gospel. What I'm talking about is just having your affections turned aside. And Paul mentions not only in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, but take a look at Galatians chapter one, uh, 3 and verse 1. He was very concerned about this, very concerned. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7, look at it again. He says, ye did run well. You were running great. You were doing great. You were making progress in the things of God. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? See, they didn't completely abandon the faith, but they were on the road to do so if they continued down that path. See, Paul was telling them to continue on that road was to desert Christ. See, now listen, church. By adding any additional requirements for salvation to what Jesus Christ has once and for all done, 
you're deserting God. To add any requirements for salvation to what Jesus has once and done for all, you're deserting Christ. For them, here it was, at this time, it was uh, Christ plus circumcision or Christ plus maybe eating, not eating certain foods or Christ plus whatever. Uh, now today, it is Christ plus baptism. It's Christ plus the prosperity gospel. It's Christ plus um, um, communion. It's Christ plus, no, it is Christ alone. That is the gospel. It was grace by which they were called into the gospel of Christ. And Paul emphasizes this throughout the book. It's like a scarlet thread that runs through this book because his grace is only the basis upon which we can relate to God in any sense. Did you hear me? Grace is the only way that we're able to relate to God. Listen, when you and I, when we are trying to add to our Christianity by doing all these things that we think that we're going to earn God's favor, guess what? We're not relating to God. It's only through grace that we relate to God by faith and understanding that it's not anything that we do even in our Christian life, but it's all that he has done for us. And again, may I stress that it's not that we live any way that we want because that's totally contrary to Scripture. But the reason that I obey my God is because he's been so gracious to me. I don't obey my God in order to earn his grace. I obey my God because I have received his grace. Galatians 1.3, it talks about his grace. Galatians 1.15, Paul says in here, it talks about his grace. Galatians 2.9 talks about his grace. Galatians 2.21 talks about his grace. Galatians 3.18 talks about his grace. Galatians 5.4 talks about his grace. Galatians 6.18 talks about his grace. It continually runs through this book, and he's showing them over and over and over again. You were called by Christ through his grace into this gospel, and now don't let anything take you out of there. See, to add anything to the gospel is to subtract grace. You know what we're really talking about here? There's a war going on. It's either you're going to live this way. You're going to live grace and faith or law and works. That's what you're going to live. And what I find interesting is that so many believers, well, all believers, we've been called by grace, but man, we live by law and works all the time. No wonder we don't share the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder the gospel doesn't move our hearts any longer. No wonder we don't weep over people who are not coming to Christ. No wonder tears of joy don't shed down our face when we're singing, How Great Thou Art. No wonder when, when we sing, Just As I Am, we can just sing it just like we've always sung it because that's what we've always sung here. No wonder. Because we've been saved by grace, but we live under the law. We forgot who has called us. 
keep from living without grace, keep in mind who called you into grace. It's Jesus. The sweetest name I know. Number two, you're to keep in mind to follow the wisdom of the word. You're to keep in mind to follow the wisdom of the word. Take a look at Galatians chapter 1 and verse 7. He goes on to say, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, I want you to take a look at the last phrase there. It's in verse 6. Look at this. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Now, take a look at this last phrase. Unto another gospel, it says. Unto another gospel. Then he says, which is not another, but there would be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. So Paul's using two words here to help them understand that they are not following the wisdom of the word. At the end of verse 6, Paul states in our English version, our English translation here, another gospel. And then in verse 7, he states, which is not another. In our English language, this looks the same. But in the the Greek, it's two different Greek words. In verse 6, when you see another, he uses a Greek word that means another of a different kind. Another of a different kind. In verse 7, it means another of the same kind. It would be like this. If you were at a restaurant, and you were at the, maybe at the local diner here, and you looked at your server, and you would say, I would like another cup of coffee. You want another of the same kind, right? That's what he's using in verse 7, Okay? It, it was another, he's saying another of the same kind. So Paul was stating that these Galatians were embracing a drastically different kind of gospel. And he goes on to say, and he, he uses this as emphasis, he goes on to say that there's not another gospel that can even be re, uh, placed a, a, alongside of this gospel. Because he said, which is not another. There is no such thing as another of the same kind, he's saying. There's no such thing as a different gospel, and there's no such thing as another of the same kind. Are are you sufficiently confused now? (laughs) Well, I hope not. But if you're a bit confused by my teaching this morning, that's what the false teachers were doing to the church of Galatia. They were trying to confuse them. I'm not trying to confuse you. They were throwing the Galatians into confusion. These false teachers were subverting, subverting the gospel and confusing the Galatians. Now listen, it wasn't just, oh, well, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's just not. No, they were confusing them to the point of fear. The point is that to tamper with the gospel is to always trouble the church. John Stott said it this way, you cannot touch the gospel and leave the church untouched because the church is created and lives by the gospel. Indeed, the church's greatest troublemakers now and then are not those outside who oppose, ridicule, and persecute it, but those inside who try and change the gospel. See, these false teachers knew that they, they couldn't take away the salvation of the Galatians. But they can shake them up to the point 
of not being able to enjoy the freedom of the gospel. And that's what they were doing. They were causing doubt. Listen, do you want to share a message that you doubt? I don't want to share something that I doubt. I'm, I, I, even if I wasn't saved, I would try and be a moral person, right? If I'm not quite sure of it, I, I don't want to pass that along to somebody else because I might lead them down the wrong road. See, to keep from living without grace, keep in mind who called you and to live by the wisdom of the word. What's the wisdom of the word? Here it is. There is no other gospel. There is none. Guess what? I don't care who says there is. Paul even deals with that. Take a look here. Number three, you're to keep in mind the warning from the word. Paul deals with this. Take a look in verses 8 through 10. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know what Paul's saying? saying, listen to the warning from the word. He's saying, it doesn't even matter if I were to preach another gospel to you. And then he uses hyperbole, and he says, even if an angel came from heaven and preached another gospel to you, don't believe it. Guess what, friends? If I preach another gospel, then what this book says, don't believe it. It doesn't matter if they have doctor before their name and all these letters after their name. It doesn't matter if they're called apostle or bishop or elder. It doesn't matter if they're called pope or priest or king. It doesn't matter if they preach any other gospel than what Paul has given to us in the inspired word of God. It is not the true gospel. And I want you to notice something. Paul does not mince any words here. Paul usually opens up his, his letters with thanksgiving and encouragement. Paul is red hot. He is, we'll use this word, ticked off. He doesn't thank the Galatians for anything. He doesn't uh, encourage the Galatians in anything. He just goes straight to the matter. Why? Because... The purity of the gospel matters. And if it mattered some 2,000 years ago, how much more does it matter today? And he uses this warning from the word, and he uses a word twice in there. I want you to take a look at that word, accursed. It's mentioned two times. And Paul says, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you are to be devoted to God for destruction. This is what he's saying about these false teachers because these false teachers, you know what they came? Most likely they came saying, hey, we were sent from the church of Jerusalem. James sent us. Peter sent us. And we just want to let you know, Paul, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a really good teacher. Remember, he's going to look like us, right? He's a really good guy. They're really good people. And they mean well. 
But man, we've got something else here. We want to let you know, we've been sent by the church in Jerusalem to let you know you've got to do this, that, and the other thing. Matter of fact, in the book of Acts, it tells us they were prominent people in the church. They were prominent people in the church that came to Galatia and was subverting the gospel. And you know what Paul said about them? He said, may you be damned to hell. Whoa. Uh, could you imagine hearing that from your pastor? Paul said, I don't care who they are. I don't care how prominent they are. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care what following they have. If they preach another gospel, they're to be devoted to God for destruction. The Bible plainly teaches us that they're cursed. You know, this is as harsh as the word of God gets. God is so serious, my friends, about the purity of the gospel that he issues a fierce declaration of divine punishment without any reservation for anyone who would pervert the gospel. Now I know in this day of tolerance this is very offensive because we've come to a place in our world where there's no absolute truth. This postmodern mind there is no absolute truth. You have a right to choose what you believe is true and what is not true based on your version of the truth and not the facts. You can have your truth and I can have my truth. And no one should condemn anybody else for what they believe or any religion that they follow. The problem with that thinking is it doesn't square with the Bible. And when you're saved, your thinking is to change, Scripture tells us. You're not to think like the world. So I don't care what popular preachers out there and how big their following is. If they say anything that is contrary to the Scripture when it comes to the gospel, you run as far away from them as you can. Why? Because the purity of the gospel is at stake. But why would anybody listen to a false teacher? Well, you ever think about that? Some of them are really smooth talkers. Some of them always smile. Some of them because of their appearance. They look religious. They wear the religious garb. They look nice. They sound nice. They're kind and devoted people. But church, just because the package is pleasing, just because the package is pleasing does not mean that they preach the truth. You've heard the old saying, all that glitters is in gold. 
We're being warned, church, not to fall for the false teachers of our day. And let me tell you, they are prevalent. They are prevalent. I would almost encourage you not to listen to Christian radio or TV and better to listen to secular. You say, oh! Why? Because at least on the secular, you know that it's wrong. <laughs> and just like the Galatians, Paul was warning them. I'm here this morning to warn you. Add anything to the gospel is to subtract grace. So this week, when you're living your life, you're going to work, remember who's called you. Remember who's called you. Listen to the wisdom of the word. Don't listen to the words of the wicked one. Remind yourself of how God sees you. Then, heed the warning. Don't try and earn God's favor. Be obedient to your Father because of the grace that He has bestowed upon you. Don't be obedient to your Father to try and earn His grace. So what lessons do we learn this morning? When it comes to the gospel, when you share it, don't water it down. You don't have to make apologies for anybody. When it comes to the gospel and you share it, just state what the Bible states. And in your own life, and in your home, and in our church, May we continue to fight for the gospel and its purity. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine what other religions don't tell you about the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. 
Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.